0: is I think I talked about nutrition so much and I talked about functional movements and I talked about scaling and intensity so many times in blog posts that I was just like, yeah, people get it now. And you forget that it has to be a constant message because while you and I might live and breathe CrossFit daily medicine, you know, whatever it is, this is three hours of someone's week. Right. So we do have to give them more tools to, to ingrain it into why it's important. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So yeah, so the education piece is huge. This is episode number 126, part A with Nicole Christensen. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pursuing Health. In this episode, I got to sit down with my very good friend, CrossFit affiliate owner, CrossFit headquarters, seminar staff, Flowmaster, athlete, CrossFit level four coach and mom extraordinaire, Nicole Christensen. And we talked about all of the things. So many things, in fact, that I've decided to split our conversation into two parts. So in part A, which is coming up here shortly, we talk about her athletic background and competitive career, as well as Nicole's experience opening and developing her affiliate CrossFit roots over the past 10 plus years including some of the things she's found to be extremely helpful for educating her members and growing a thriving affiliate. In part B, which will go live one week after this episode, we do a deep dive into her own personal experience of incorporating CrossFit during pregnancy, as well as the process that she's developed and uses for working with countless of pregnant athletes at CrossFit Roots over the years. Before we get started, this is a reminder that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, we'll get started with episode 126, part A of Pursuing Health featuring Nicole Christensen. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Nicole Christensen. This is very long overdue. So thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so we got way back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in in our CrossFit journeys. I guess yes. I don't go far as far back as you do because I know you started before I did, uh, but we started around a similar time. Yeah. yeah. What year did you start in? 2000 End of beginning of two thousand seven. Okay, yeah. and I was like two thousand nine. So yeah, it's close. it's yeah. close. Um, but maybe let's go even further back. Let's start with <laughs> your kind of childhood, growing up, what you were into, sports-wise, mm-hmm. and other yeah. stuff. Okay. Uh, well, I grew up swimming
0: in summer league swimming, and I was terrible. Oh. I was awful. I um, never would have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think my mom. Uh, put my brother and I on the swim team cause she liked it cause there was kids of a lot of different ages mm-hmm. that did a sport together. Um, but luckily there wasn't like a qualifying time okay. or Got capacity. <laughs> um, and then I also played t-ball, which turned into little league, which then turned into softball. Okay. And that was, that was the, you know, gist of my sports. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew up, I don't know, playing outside a lot. And then my dad would always take my brother and I on backpacking trips and we'd always go out to California in the summer and hike mountains and things like that, which was, that's if so you're cool. from Virginia, it felt really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's a long way to go to like yeah.
1: go on hikes in the mountains.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, and then somehow I still don't really know how it happened, but somewhere around when I was like 13, 14, I, I got better at swimming okay. and um, I ended up going to college and swimming college.
1: So you ended up being okay. <laughs> I ended up being fine. Um, we're still really not sure what happened, but <laughs> yeah. Do you know? Like, do you remember that time? Like thirteen, fourteen? Did you really start liking swimming, or what was it?
0: I, I don't. Well, so I guess one thing is that you know, generally in the swimming world, you're you're good at like f- freestyle, backstroke, and butterfly. Mm-hmm. You can kind of do them, or you're a breaststroker. Okay. And so I learned that I was a breaststroker. So uh. I basically just. Committed to that. You found that I found my exactly. (laughs) I found the one thing that I could do. Um, and so, yeah. By the time I was, um, I I guess a junior in high school, I realized that I was a better swimmer than I was softball player. Okay. And, um, but I'd never really trained year round. I just Mm -hmm. swam in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so then the last year of high school, I started talking to swimming schools and, Mm uh, none of them were really ready to commit, but, so I walked on as a freshman, um, and just swam. That's awesome. And where
1: did you go to college?
0: I started at the University of Delaware. Okay. So that's where I swam. Um, it was a long joke, actually. (laughs) I applied to schools. I wasn't really focused. I mean, I wanted to go to college, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't really thinking it through. Yeah. Um, we lived in overseas for a while growing up. And then when we moved back I just didn't pick the bug up that everybody else did that you were supposed to like go to college right after high school. Like, well, that you were supposed to f- like start getting ready for it uh, your freshman year yeah. of high school, you know? So I applied to a bunch of schools and I only got into one. So I okay. remember my mom was like, okay, so let's go see where you're going to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great. Um, but yeah, so then I walked on there and then I transferred to the University of Colorado Okay. at Boulder. After a couple of years, I just needed
1: mountains. Mm-hmm. So. Interesting, but you didn't really, I mean, I guess you went hiking, but you didn't really yeah. grow up around mountains. No. So what drew you to the mountains? I just love them. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of a silly question.
0: No, but. I don't know. I think, it, I mean, it's, I think there's something that was just, it's probably like the experiences that you have growing up. Like I was with yeah. my dad and we'd go hiking or my mom and uh, dad would take us um, to a little lake outside of Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And there's just something really freeing about it. Uh and, and I don't know. So when I was looking at where to transfer mm-hmm. schools with mountains was high. up. <laughs> that <at last>.
1: <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like a very good criteria if um, you think about it.
0: Yeah. And then what was I thinking about mountains? Um, something. Oh, we have this joke I, at uh, the gym. So like, you know, especially in Boulder, we have a lot of people that use CrossFit for mm-hmm. general fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it can launch them to do the things outside because boulder's you know very There's outdoor so much town to it, yeah and uh so we'll go do things outside like skate ski or like we'll hike the incline and my friends will be like come on let's go and i'm like i don't do nature for time like i'll do the <laughs> workout for rush, time <laughs> but like i just want to be out in nature they don't right. get it they're like this <laughs> doesn't make any sense nicole
1: yeah i don't do that's nature for i time. think that's a good philosophy you can't do everything for time no yeah, no. That's good. Yeah. So, but then you had a little um, detour because you yes. went to grad school in Pennsylvania, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So. Was that after, right after college? Uh, about a year after okay. college. Yeah. I actually, um,
0: let's see. So I was environmental studies at CU and then I moved to Arizona and. Oh, okay just the whole planning thing became really interesting to me Mm -hmm. about sort of growing a city in a desert and water rights and Mm -hmm. efficiencies and all that. And so I started looking into what I could do with that. And so I applied to grad school for city and regional planning. So I went to university of Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia for two years.
1: That's such an interesting, See, I don't think I know (laughs) anyone else with that degree. It's so interesting.
0: Yeah. We probably need more people (laughs) doing that in the current, current world, but, um,
1: yeah, no, I just think it's really
0: fascinating, just like spatial layout yeah. and why cities grow the way they do mm-hmm. and sprawl and what it means for our health and yeah. how we commute and the time we spend in the car. It just, I just love the layers of it. So interesting.
1: Is that something, do you still use any of those skills or think about any of those things now?
0: I, I mean, it's funny because some people say like, oh, you went to grad school and you don't use your degree mm-hmm. anymore. And. I can say that I definitely have used it over the years at the gym in terms of, um, where I've located the gym, mm-hmm. uh, zoning and what, what's allowed at the gym has definitely <laughs> you come make that mistake, Like I'm sure a lot of people do. Yep. Um, making sure we have all our, you know, allowances. Um, but I don't know. I mean, just as we, like, as I learned about CrossFit, just, it really did all come together for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if, if, you know so many people are want to have like a single family home and it might not be affordable like by where they work mm-hmm. so then they might purchase a house that's like um hour commute away and then how does that impact their health and their life and so then they're in a car commuting an hour each way and mm-hmm. these aren't good or bad things they're just things that you have to we have to think about and then what does that mean for a person's health and how do we combat that and
1: yeah So that's where my brain goes. (laughs) So interesting to think about because, you know, because people think about all these things that have to do with our health, like our exercise and sleep and nutrition. But it's so true. Our environment and our space and how our lives are set up have such a huge impact that a lot of people think they can't necessarily change or change as easily. Right. Well, even like
0: when I came and visited you guys, like we walked to dinner. Yeah. You know, like just a lot of a lot of just the physical movement of how cities were built aided Mm -hmm. that more than what we see developed today like right you know like the walking mall that you drive to right you drive and you
1: park on the outside It just so and how it seems like now at least in a lot of the big cities you know you get young people living in the cities and then once they want to have kids they move out for the school systems yes and it's like why can't like danny and i love where we live now mm-hmm. but if we were to have kids and we wanted them to go to public school we would probably move just for that reason yeah and then you can't walk to all these places yeah there's
0: there and there's so many factors and that's mm-hmm. the thing is like there's so many factors at play. I, I just feel it's sad and, it's, and because it seems like health is always the thing that gets sacrificed, yes. you know, like our personal health, our time in the car, um, our access to, you know, the people around us, just all those mm-hmm. things. Um, and so, yeah, I still, I still read the planning magazines that I <laughs> subscribe to. And, yeah. you know, I, I keep an eye on like what Boulder's doing. Boulder's mm-hmm. growing a lot. So there's a lot of zoning and development things going on.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. So did you work in that area at all before, or at what point did you then find CrossFit? So after
0: grad school, I moved from Philadelphia to back to Boulder. Okay. I was not planning to go back to Boulder, but my uh, professor knew uh, the Orton Family Foundation, uh, and it was a software development company that okay. did land use planning. And they happened to be in Boulder.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. Coincidence. <laughs> so I was
0: like, I never really thought about moving back there, but, um, I obviously, I mean, I love Boulder. Yeah. So moved back and then did that for about a year and a half. And then at that same time was trying CrossFit, mm-hmm. was falling in love with CrossFit, was doing CrossFit. And, you know, I would I think, well, originally when I finished college, I wanted to coach swimming at the collegiate level. That was what ah, I wanted to do. Because okay. I always loved coaching. Mm-hmm. I grew up coaching. For six years, I coached a summer league swim team. Okay. That's what I wanted to do. But I think I made like $4.50 an hour when I averaged it all out. <laughs> yeah, how much time you So put I in. was like, I don't think I can do this. I'll go. I must have to go to grad school and, you know, yeah. get a real job. So, yeah, when I found CrossFit, I just first it was that I loved it for so many Mm -hmm. different reasons, but then also it just became very clear that this was something that I thought I could make a life out of. Yeah. So how did you find it? (sighs) Let's see. Well, (laughs) um, this guy that I worked with who is now my husband. (laughs) Oh, okay. Got it. Um, We had been talking at the office and he said, I said something about CrossFit. Oh, somebody back in Virginia had recommended I try it, but I never got around to it when I was in Philadelphia. And he was like, oh... Yeah, I do some of the workouts mm-hmm. when I'm at my boxing gym, and so then we found an affiliate, went to the affiliate together. Oh my and
1: then- gosh! Did you know that's like literally the same story for Danny and I? Wait, were you dating at the time? No, not yet. Same <laughs> here. That's so crazy! I can't believe we've never talked about this before. Like Danny and I were living in the same dorm, and we we're in someone's room watching Grey's Anatomy and Danny pulls of course, like, pulls up, of course. <laughs> like what else would we be doing? And, um, Danny pulls up CrossFit.com because he was just like messing with the workouts in our rec gym at school. Okay. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. What is that? And so then we started talking and then we started dating and then we're like, we have to join an affiliate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really funny story because, um, so Jerry Hill who owns CrossFit old town in okay. old town, Um, at the time he was running a gym out of like a jujitsu gym. So Eric and I have done CrossFit for like maybe a week Mm -hmm. and we go on a work trip together. And of course I'm like, well, we have to go find an affiliate. Yeah. And so Eric was like, oh good. I hope they don't program something like Fran or something. (laughs) And they programmed Fran, of course. Like what are the chances? Yeah. And it was on a mat. So you were in your bare feet.
1: Oh wow. And the pull
0: up, um, bars hung from a, uh, from chain. So they moved. So
1: They're moving around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was
0: incredible. Um, That's so that was like so our second funny. CrossFit workout, but wow. yeah. And then we came back and joined a gym and you know,
1: the rest is history. Yeah. There yeah. you go.
0: Then I decided to quit <laughs> my job in like a recession and yeah. my dad was really excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell us how that went. So like at what point did you decide that you wanted to actually affiliate and open a gym?
0: <sighs> Let's see. I I mean, pretty soon after we started CrossFit, mm-hmm. we were going to an affiliate. We were, you know, diehards for the 5 p.m. class. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had that, like, really natural CrossFit experience where I met new people and we all really believed in this way of working out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, back then, it, it was just so not mainstream in so many ways that you almost felt like you had to, like – like do it right every time you did it, you know, do justice to it. Um, and so we just, we did that for a while. And then I, I wasn't really, I don't know. I wasn't excited about my career path. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the, the academic side, I guess, but Mm -hmm. in terms of the application, I also had always wanted to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And so when I, there was the part about like, okay, I love CrossFit and I love what it can do for this yeah. American population. And I believe in that style of working out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also as a swimmer and a runner, cause that's what I did before yeah. that. Um, I was like, well, if I have a kid, like, what am I going to do? And it was just like always this gap that I was like, oh, I'll figure that out when I have kids. Yeah. But it just seemed so natural. I was like, well, this is what I would do when I have kids. Like this makes total sense. And yeah. then I also in terms of like starting the gym um i don't know i wanted to pick my kids up from school mm-hmm. and it was pretty clear that if i stayed in the planning jobs that i wouldn't have that opportunity yeah um so yeah so it was i don't know
1: you're already thinking like forward thinking about like well i yeah that's of one life's... of my i'm a planner <laughs> i know you are <laughs> by profession get, and by <laughs> habit we're going to get to that for sure <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely on my list. <laughs> oh boy. Um, um but yeah. So, so you decided you're going to do this. You're going to start. How did you start? How did CrossFit Roots begin? CrossFit Roots started out of a one car garage. That's
0: so awesome. In Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, we emailed all of our friends and said that we were starting a gym mm-hmm. and, um, we had like, you know, there was all these things on CrossFit about starting a garage gym and mm-hmm. there were these pictures of all these people there and um, nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> not, had, like <laughs> not like the pictures. Not like the pictures. <laughs> no we had like three or four people none of our friends joined. Oh, um, they were all like we're you're not crazy. doing it. are yeah. Well we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, and so yeah for about six months we did it out of the garage uh, and then after about six months it kind of became clear that it wasn't really that people didn't want to do it it was just we didn't have like an official mm-hmm. presence or place. So we found like 600 square feet in downtown Boulder. Okay. Um, and we opened the gym there. Wow. And once we had a physical location, things really started yeah. to take off. And I think it was partly world of mouth and it was partly that CrossFit was really on this sort of uptick. Cause that sure. was 2000 end of 2008, start of 2009. Okay. And we were in 600 square feet and then we tore down a wall cause we needed more space. Mm-hmm. And then we tore down another wall and then we had 2000 square feet. Wow. For like two years,
1: that's like two of my houses. Yeah, there you go.
0: So yeah, exactly. It's a lot of space. It yeah. was. It, it, it felt. I mean, going from like 600 square yeah. feet to 2,000, it's like it so much
1: space. Yeah.
0: Um. But
1: now you're in like 10,000. 10, that's yeah. Huge.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we needed more space, mm. and um, the area we were at was amazing. It was right in downtown Boulder, but okay. it wasn't going to be sustainable for like for that kind of space rent or growing. Yeah. So we moved. About 10 blocks out, which doesn't sound like far, but it's a bigger jump for the size of the blocks. Uh, And yeah, so we're in a 10,000 square foot space and we've been there for, let's see, almost eight years. Yeah, eight years. Wow. And the gym just turned 10. Congratulations. So that was fun. Yeah, thanks. That's Uh, huge. Yeah. And so now we're in this bigger spot. We'll probably, I mean, we'll either stay there forever or we'll like do something on our own. Mm Mm-hmm space-wise.
1: That's huge. So, and now, so you've been, like you said, you've been doing this for 10 years. You've obviously evolved a lot from the one car garage to your 10,000 square feet. And I mean, CrossFit Roots is one of the gyms that comes to mind first when I think of like, what are some of the best gyms in the world? Oh, it's you. like, I, I mean, I've been there. <laughs> I know you, I know how you run things, but I mean, you have really made I mean, you put into practice everything that CrossFit is supposed to be, and then you put your own kind of spin on it. Yeah. And you've helped, um, I think, make systems for making things run smooth. Me, you now have full-time coaches. Like, how many coaches do you have that work for you? Uh, I mean, five.
0: There's five full-time, okay. and then there's three to five substitute coaches. That, so it's yeah. so, so it's like it's, eleven or twelve of us.
1: Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I saw I saw on your schedule for tomorrow. You have eighteen different classes. <laughs> that's insane! <laughs> like, and all kinds of offerings. Like, you have weightlifting. You have endurance. You have vitality. You have that's for sixty and over. That's awesome. You have um, strongman. Mm-hmm. Like, so many things that you're able to offer now. I yeah. can obviously just a testament to how you've been able to grow your community. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, obviously, not every gym is at that point. Yeah. And not every gym is, you know, has reached this 10 year mark, but what do you think are some of the key things that you did or that like happened over these past 10 years that allowed you to grow into such a great place? I mean, I
0: think the foundation has always been just continuously teaching the CrossFit method. Mm -hmm. And I mean... I, I mean, I, I believe in CrossFit at like my very core mm-hmm. and that just never changes. I just like, and I think that the more that people understand why they're doing what they're doing, uh, the more that it becomes a part of who they are and why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. And so from, from the very beginning, we've always tried to educate. It's funny. One of my members was expressing some frustration about how we host the level one about like every six weeks or mm-hmm. so. And you know, over the past, what, seven years, we've put over a hundred of our members through the level one because when we host, we're able to offer them a spot. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's why I do it Mm -hmm. because if I can give them that opportunity to understand a a deeper level of what they're doing, Mm -hmm. um, like then you have people that they're committed to their workout style way beyond it's oh something that my friend told me to do because it'll burn a lot of calories. Right. Right. So, I think one of the things is education and it's something I've always had. I've had to re- remind myself, you know, it's interesting. Like I think back to the past 10 years and mm-hmm. you know, we've had ups and we've had some downs and mm-hmm. we've had some like, Oh, we should be doing this still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of them is I think I talked about nutrition so much and I talked about functional movements mm-hmm. and I talked about scaling and intensity so many times in blog posts yeah. that I was just like, yeah, people get it now. And you forget that it has to be a constant message mm-hmm. because while you and I might live and breathe CrossFit daily medicine, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, this is three hours of someone's week. Right. So we do have to give them more tools to, to ingrain it into why it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so the education piece is huge. Um, and then I don't know what else has helped probably being stubborn.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's always a, helpful you know? a quality to have.
0: Someone <laughs> like one time was like, um, I mean, they were being nice, but they were like, well, do you think like when you guys move to the 10,000 square foot spot, like you'll drop the CrossFit name? I mean, you'll just be like a strength and conditioning. I was like, oh, no, it was like offensive. Yeah. You know, I was like, you're breaking How my heart. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, I, I do think I'm stubborn in the sense that, um, I want, like you talked about all the different classes on our schedule Mm -hmm. and I, I want to offer all of that through the lens of CrossFit. Yeah. And so, you know, whatever classes we add to the schedule, it is about how does that work within our CrossFit Mm -hmm. life? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's not that I don't like yoga. I think it's great. It's just, it's not what I want to put under our umbrella for Mm -hmm. what we're offering. So there's some stubbornness there too. Sure. Um, Hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> yeah.
1: For sure. And on the education piece, um, I know you have written I was reading some of your blog posts on Sugar Wad, which were they are a gold mine. Seriously, Aww. like so useful. But things that you had written a bunch of them about like difficult conversations you have with athletes. And I think that is probably such a key that people overlook so many times because that's showing that you're really invested in your athlete and their long-term success. And so many times I think in coaching you, it's, it's more comfortable or it's easier just to like kind of give people what they want in the moment. Even though if you know, it's probably like parenting, right? Like even if you know that it's (laughs) It's not the best thing for them in the long run, (laughs) but it's easier just to like not meet their resistance. Um, So like one of those examples was, you know, an athlete who always wants to go RX, mm-hmm. even though, you know, they're not getting the right stimulus. Yeah. So can you talk about like, how do you use education to like get through to that? Person yeah, absolutely. Instead of getting in more of like an argument.
0: Yeah. Um, I think first is understanding. Well, there's two things. So the athlete that wants to go RX first is understanding why. Yeah. So is it the culture at your gym that's pushing them to think they should go RX? Mm-hmm. Is it a misunderstanding of the message? Um, and then also, and figuring that out. we can talk about that. Uh, but then also knowing the time and place to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I just, so as a starting point with the, um, you know, what's the culture at the gym. So I think one of the things we talk about is, or I think I talked about in the article, but, um, if you tell athletes, you should be able to do 10 reps in a row mm-hmm. at the whiteboard. And that, um, the the workout should finish in 10 to 15 minutes. And let's say your gym says like, and there's a 15 minute cap. Mm-hmm. Well, and then somebody doesn't scale appropriately and they can't do the 10 reps in a row mm-hmm. and they go past the 15 minutes and the coach like, Oh, well, since you're so close, you can go ahead and finish. Mm-hmm. We're honoring that not effort, doing what yeah. we've directed at the whiteboard. And, and the thing that I find is that generally people want to do what is allowed or what, you know, what is accepted and what is respected. Um, but if it's always that gray area, then we're not really giving them the means to want to be successful in the program, but mm-hmm. then also the means to kind of check their ego a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. It's hard, right? Yeah. But if everybody's on board with that, then it's a lot easier. And we've seen countless examples of that. Some of the athletes, that I'm referencing will probably kill Mm -hmm. me, but you know, they've come from other gyms where they were never taught that. Yeah. And, and that's okay. But once they come in and see like, Oh, this is how everybody does it. Mm -hmm. Then it doesn't become such a much of an issue. And honestly, that's on the coaches. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's another thing too. It's really easy to turn it on the athlete. Like it's their fault. Like they should be scaling all that stuff. Um, and I think that the other part is knowing when to have the conversation and get at the root of like what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the classic ones is, you know, you don't talk to them in the moment. Maybe you shoot them an email Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, I just want to check in on some stuff with the workout. Do you have a few minutes to talk Mm -hmm. or, you know, a different day when there's not a barbell in the workout. Um, and I find that a lot of people, don't quite grasp what scaling does for progressive development of strength mm-hmm. with intensity. Mm-hmm. And so once you give them a couple articles, that's the beauty of blog posts, right? Is that they're there forever. So yeah. you can send an athlete that reference from two years ago when you wrote the article yeah. and say, Hey, you know, read this over and then let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I find like a lot of times there's just a misunderstanding of what loading does mm-hmm. for your CrossFit goals. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that culture is so important, too, in so many ways. But yeah. how do you – like, How what do you do intentionally to set the culture in your gym? I mean, I'm sure there's a million things. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. I mean, in terms of the workout application, um, I, I actually think I, I, I probably balance it more than a lot of people would think, mm-hmm. maybe. So I'm someone that completely – sees the purpose of an RX workout Mm -hmm. and having an RX standard and having standards in general, there's my systems coming out. Right. Um, and I also completely see that equal value of if you have the RX goal, Mm -hmm. you have to give your athletes a process to get there. Mm -hmm. And so I think from a cultural standpoint, if you, as a coach, and this is hard, I think, and I had a really terrible lesson in this, which we can talk about when I was 18, but, um, Mm -hmm. As a coach, if you only ever celebrate the person that's going RX if, when they're doing the workout, mm-hmm. well, then athletes aren't really seeing them as equal pieces. Yeah. As a coach, if you can get into the mindset and see the long term of, okay, last time, like my athletes tell me I have this like freakish ability to like just tell everybody their numbers and mm-hmm. like what numbers they did last time. But if, you, if you're if you that involved, then you're going to be able to coach them at the same level you would on somebody that's going to do our X. Mm-hmm. And so from a cultural standpoint, people start to see those as equal. You can also then lead by example, because if you're cheering them on or coaching them equally, that's what the athletes see. Yeah. So now they're also encouraging everybody. Um, because there can be a mentality where it's like, oh, we only celebrate the folks that go RX. I think there's also a little bit, and this is why I love CrossFit in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but there's a little bit of, you know, the people that do CrossFit generally they, Yeah, nobody likes, oh, you know, if they can't do a workout the way they want to do it. Yeah. Right? It's hard. I I mean, I've been there. Right. The whole time I was pregnant, it was like, I know this is what I need, but this is what I want to
1: do. But the type of people who are doing CrossFit are generally like high achieving people who want to get, they want to get there.
0: And I think that's the other, where the education piece comes in. So if you educate them and say, you know, this is what we believe in and this is the process to get there. Mm -hmm. Well, they might not like the answer, but their goal of achieving whatever that is mm-hmm. overrides it. And that's true of any, that's true of any sport or yeah. athleticism, like gymnastics. Like, you don't, you have like 12 different progressions till you can get to a specific skill. Yeah nobody sits there and is like, oh, I'm getting scaled. Right. You know, it's just, right. so that's and, just where you're at. And yeah. you know, there's criticism like, "What? Well, well, the word scaled doesn't help, but you know, mm-hmm. semantics. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Modified. Yeah, scales, exactly. Whatever. Um, But yeah, I actually had, so when I was 18, uh, or maybe I was 20, but, um, I had this athlete and she was like, she was a swimmer and on the swim team that my brother and I coached. Mm-hmm. And I can't, she said something She was like yeah it's you know it's really great nicole and eric or uh, nicole and eric uh nicole and trevor really great coaches um uh, it's just you know once you get good then you don't really get any coaching anymore Mm. and i was like oh crap you know like yeah and just the more you have those experiences and then you can start to figure out how you're equally addressing it's you Mm -hmm. know it's never perfect either right but yeah so Culturally, in terms of scaling, I think, you know, we try to make it that um, we're giving people a pattern to, to get there. Mm-hmm. It's never
1: perfect, but for sure. So 10 years, did you guys do anything to celebrate?
0: No, no we didn't do party. anything. This Eric and I were talking about this the other yeah. night. Um, we intended to go out to dinner. Okay. But it's been a really crazy July. <laughs> <laughs> As July goes, if you're, you know have kids and it's the CrossFit games yeah. and then throw in two weddings and oh, some other things. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll go out to dinner. We're going to go to the 10 year uh, affiliate, that. um, gathering. Yeah. So we're actually, we kind of made a week of it. We're going to go for like six days, the two of us That's with awesome. no children, which will be, wow. Yeah. A real vacation. Be crazy. Uh, That's and cool. then we'll do a 10 year anniversary party Okay. at the gym. Okay. That'll um, but we always cool. have that after school gets back. Cause if we do it in the summer, people are gone and
1: yeah you want everyone to be there to celebrate yeah <laughs> perfect <laughs> um what are you looking forward to about that affiliate gathering it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting
0: yeah event. um I mean honestly like initially I'm just I'm just so looking forward to connecting with people that I feel like I haven't really sat down with for years mm-hmm. um I see them in passing you know or we see right. seen at the games but yeah just connecting that way I think will be really neat
1: yeah
0: um I, I love, especially with the 10-year affiliates, I feel like, um, or the older affiliates, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, right now, we get inundated with so much, like, technology and systems mm-hmm. and, like, all these different tools, which is amazing for a small business. Like, there's no doubt about yeah. it. A small business cannot do everything. But I think sometimes we also lose sight that um, we have a very human business. And, and in a way... They're all there because they've kept the human mm-hmm. element of it, mm-hmm. and that's part of why they've been successful. At least that's what I think. Yeah. And so, um, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. She owns CrossFit Catacombs in Durango. Okay. And um, you know, a lot of people would, and and people do this successfully, which I'm baffled by. So, you know, <laughs> it's not my skill set. Um, you know, people have said, "Well, do you want to step away from the gym, or where do you want to be?" And I've kind of been in limbo. It's been a you know, it's been a little bit of a rough year. Uh, but, um, I, I, I don't know if I could step away from the gym. Um, because it, it's, it's a very unique service mm-hmm. industry. It's not like coffee where like, if you go to get coffee, right. right. Like you care about, like you like the barista, the coffee mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. didn't take forever. Nice environment. And your experience, like Eight minutes, right? With the gym, there's like just so much more in our type of gym. Yes, and I think that, um, you know, lately I've really been sort of just thinking about that. Yeah, but,
1: and I think it's interesting. I'm sure it can be done well, but I think it's very challenging when the owner of the gym is not there all the time, or not not all the time, but is not like embedded in the community. When the yeah. owner is someone who's very separated, or maybe they come and take a class here and there, but they're not doing the day-to-day or a lot of, you know, involved because so much happens just by being there and those yeah. little conversations you have mm-hmm. with coaches and with members. And, um, I think there's a ton to be said for that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, cause I think I, I mean, that's what I lived and breathed for like the first five years of the gym. Yeah. And then we had our daughter, first daughter. And so I was like out a little bit mm-hmm. and then, um, I worked seminars mm-hmm. and then was a flow master. And so just, got a lot more involved there and still kept a lot of you know involvement Mm -hmm. and then I would say since my second daughter was born it's been even it's been a little bit less Mm -hmm. and I think part of it to be perfectly honest is like I don't know if you can sustain 10 years of that like so there's (laughs) going to be an ebb and flow yeah um but it's interesting now like looking almost not from the outside but like just from a different perspective like what I want for our gym Mm -hmm. and and where I want it to be in 10 more years mm-hmm. is, is me there and, you know, yeah, coaching more and things like that. And, you know, it's definitely like where we're going. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. there's always bumps in the road. So, you of know, course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> life. but, um, what do you think are some, I mean, you've obviously had tons of experience coaching, coaching other coaches on seminar staff. What do you think are some of the most important Qualities for coaches, or things that you look for when you're trying to hire someone. Situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually have these it's like, hard to teach. That Danny yeah. always tells me how I have terrible situational awareness. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, always like situational awareness. <laughs>
0: oh man. Um, I mean, yeah, situational awareness. We we actually do a drill with our like with our any of our coaches that we okay. interview. So like. The first one is they, they just take a timeline of the class okay, and we just have them write down like, what did you find interesting or what questions do you have? Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, there's so much that goes on in a class. Like we hope back from that, we get like a ton of questions. Like, why did yeah. you do this? Or why did you say this to this person or what's going mm-hmm. on here? Right. Because for our coach, those should be things that are just inherent. Yeah. Now things can be learned for sure, but is there interest there of yeah. other people? Yeah. I, I think what's so fascinating is like coaching can be two different places. As a coach, like the attention is on you. Mm-hmm. And so you can take that into like a pretty negative place where you sort of feel like you're the center of attention. Everybody's like looking for your advice mm-hmm. and it can be very me, me, me. Kind of like ego building. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it can all... But, but really, what we're looking for in a coach is somebody that just inherently cares about other people, mm-hmm. and that's your starting point, because if you don't care about somebody else's success, whether it's teaching them to do a math problem better or mm-hmm. teaching them to do a kipping pull-up, the sort of the baseline products or materials that you need to build a good coach are just, they're not there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of the jokes about like, you know, some great athletes make great coaches and some just don't because mm-hmm. it's sort of been that reverse relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we have them ask questions and then the second one, we actually have them pick one athlete that they don't know. Okay. And they just have to watch that athlete okay. and watch like their facial That's expressions, right. how they feel in the class. And you can learn so much by watching one person in class mm-hmm. for an entire hour. You know, you can tell like when they're, when they're nervous that they don't know the right scaling option. You yeah. can tell when they're nervous that like, they don't know like what a power snatch is. And mm-hmm. so they're looking around and you really get a sense for how that person is navigating through the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can learn a lot from the coach in terms of what yeah. they might see and how they're going to be able to, to connect with other athletes. Cause that's the other part, right? Like, you know, you might coach a 18 year old and a 50 year old, a 45 year old and a 62 year old in the mm-hmm. same class. And if you're the 23 year old male coach, we need you to have some empathy mm-hmm. and some understanding, as well as be able to push all those people. It's really unique. It's such a unique. Job. It's so unique. Yeah. Like, if you think about this, I was thinking about this the other day. Like NFL, baseball, college sports, you have like a four-year relationship. Yeah. Maybe you get traded. Okay. Um, maybe you. I mean, there's not very many players that play mm-hmm. with one team forever. Mm-hmm. But so, like four to eight years. Like we're. I have athletes that I've worked with for nine years. 10 years so cool. it's, it's awesome but yeah. it's really different and they're going through so many different developments in their life or changes or mm-hmm. it's and we just I, I don't think of a, a lot of other areas where we have that yeah in
1: an athletic environment and it's cool I mean I'm just thinking about this now from like a medical perspective like one of the reasons I love family medicine is because we can work with people through their whole lives but you're working you're sitting in front of one person right right and you can go with them through your life but you're not having to teach or talk to you at the same time, like a child, a teenager, an adult and elderly person, like doing that all at once and like managing all those different variables is really amazing.
0: Yeah. And it's something that I will say that is my goal in the fall is that we get a little better, even better at it. Um, You know, I think as humans, we're very focused on like, well, what's it, what's it, what, what about this workout is about me? Yeah. Or how am I supposed to, um, and obviously with scaling, we get to a lot of those, but there's a whole nother level about, well, what's this person's goal? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, it's not feasible to do that for every athlete at the gym, mm-hmm. but there's, you know, there's an in-between mm-hmm. and how do you start to flush some of that out so that everybody's getting like a great experience, right?
1: you know, That's amazing. it's a really
0: big problem not problem it's a really big like puzzle and (laughs) but it's amazing but you're doing it yeah you're doing it figuring it out
1: um so speaking of life stages (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about this because you and I first met when we were both in like a competition stage of life um and we were both obviously doing other things like you were at the same time running a gym on seminar stuff being a flow master and you still found it like important for you to invest in this competition area mm-hmm. of your life and so I just want to ask like why was that something that was important for you at the time and and what did you learn like you know no one is asking you to work out for three hours a day when you had all these <laughs> other things going on so Doug like, was and you did well Doug was, but and like you did very well like you were a multi-year regional athlete like top 10 at regionals mm-hmm. and like like you said, like a very good athlete in your own respect and then also doing all these other things. But why was that something that, that was important for you to prioritize? I think,
0: uh, well, the learning side for me, I, I mean, I love competing, Mm -hmm. but I love getting better at stuff. And I, especially with, at the time we were following hyperfit. Yeah. Um, Doug's stuff just, I mean, I remember he said it was like the basic, what was it? Uh, the consistent practice of basic skills. Mm. And I mean, to this day, like the fact that my knees go out as much as they are is because of the number of banded air squats that I did yeah. in ups. <laughs> and, and it, it was selfish to a degree in the sense that, yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, sometimes I'd be going back to the gym at like 630 at night yeah. and we didn't have kids. So it was different. Um, but I think it was just important for me to like develop this in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I also just enjoyed that time. Yeah. And I learned so much. Like I think as an affiliate owner, if, if, if we want to help as many different people as possible, just that gives us so much experience, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And the more, you know, training camps, uh, seminars, conference, things like that. Mm -hmm. I always take something away. And for me, training was the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, and I think at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm an internally competitive person. Um, and I just, I enjoy it. I also just, I mean, I don't know if I'm sure you felt this out, like just as a female in CrossFit, it just felt like, you, it just feels like you're, out there doing something that you maybe not aren't supposed to do, but mm-hmm. that like women aren't supposed to do. Yeah. And I don't feel that way anymore, but it just felt at the time it was like just
1: a lot newer. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I don't know. I think that there's something about like pushing your body to that level or like, like yeah. you said, kind of like growing and seeing how much you're actually capable of and surprising yourself. Um,
0: And, and I think that that's, that's something that I wish for my athletes, like every day, mm-hmm. and and they and they experience this. But you know, like the first, just the amount of practice that it takes to do some of those things, mm-hmm. is not bad. That's that's the fun of it. And yeah. so if you can embrace that and not always, you know, I remember thinking like as the swimmer, like I'm never going to be good at handstand pushups, you know. And then this year, like after what ten years, <laughs> I like I did the master's qualifier and the strict handstand pushup workout bumped me up rather than bumping me down. I was like, that's okay, awesome. I've made this it, is, I've made it, you know, <laughs> and it's not really about the placing, but I do think that I think that's the difference. That's again, goes back to the education piece. A lot of stuff in CrossFit comes early or mm-hmm. easy in the beginning, right? You learn stuff quickly. Yeah. And it's really easy for athletes after a year or two or three to be like, well, I'm just never going to get a muscle up. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's something that you want to achieve, it's totally there. It's just, it's, you know, it might've taken you three years to get like 98% of the way there. And it's going to yeah. take you three years to get the last 2%. I think that's the part about telling athletes, maybe not what they want to hear, but what, how it is, but then helping them have a pathway to get there, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, where the coaching piece comes in. And that's, that's the stuff yeah. that I love about training separate from the competition is learning that for myself. Absolutely, because then it proves it <laughs> right <laughs> that it's working. it actually works.
1: <laughs> it's a real thing, yeah, um, yeah, and it's so interesting too, so I want to talk to you about kind of your transition then away from competing because I know for me it's been interesting, like there's nothing better like when you're when you have that goal of competing and you are reaching for these goal these goals, there's nothing better than like overcoming something that scares you or doing something you didn't think you were capable of and and I find it it's harder for me now to like push myself out of my comfort zone to do those things because in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not doing this for any serious competition or like, I'm just trying to work out to be healthy. And so I find that that's kind of always in the back of my mind. And I just, you know, I know that there's still value in trying to like reach and grow and learn new things and, and kind of push yourself in different ways. And so I don't know if you've had similar experiences or how you've tried to frame it for yourself.
0: Well, I think it's interesting because, so when I started CrossFit, the only competition was the 11 people that I was in class with. Mm -hmm. And it was like, like a death match. Like every time you were throwing down and it's so funny because you were throwing down to like, what be like first out of 12, you know? Right. But you know, when Glassman rights you, you know, men and women will, you know, or die for points. Yeah. yeah. Right. Live and die. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We'll die for points. Um, That was what I, I experienced CrossFit to be. Yeah. I was literally killing myself to just be the first of the 12 people in that class. Yeah. And I don't know if that's always stuck with me, but you know, if you took away the internet and the open mm-hmm. and like all these things, like the fact of the matter is when I walk into a class, I love all the people that I'm yeah. in class with but I also want to win.
1: Right. You're you know, still, I'm, that's true. I still, I I was gonna I still say, get Julia. that. Like, <laughs> like yesterday I was, we were here in Madison. We went to a gym. Tommy Marquez was right behind uh-huh. me doing I this workout. Yeah. Well, it wasn't running. It was okay. burpees. There was toast bar, but like the first couple of rounds we were like right on track and I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> See? So it comes. Back. And I, that's where I definitely catch myself. Like you push yourself so much harder when you're, around yeah. other people then you that. And that's would by something yourself.
0: that I you know, I I respect the people that are able to work out at home and yeah. do their that do that thing. Um I also just that that camaraderie and that extra intensity that yeah. you get by being around other people, you know, again, there's like a lot of criticism like oh, there's too much competition and stuff and it's like competition's what drives people to be better. Yeah. You know, like you know, no matter what you do, whether it's inside of an athletic, yeah. you know, endeavor or not, mm-hmm. pressure is only bad if you're, like, not sure how to handle it yeah. in a way. if
1: you're, like, let it paralyze you. or Yeah, exactly. And, again, I think it comes back to that culture of your gym, right? If you make it so where that, that's a – you can have that kind of friendly competition, but then at the end of the day, you still all care about each other. You still all want the best for each other. You're not, like, taking right. it to the point where you're injuring yourselves because you're trying to, like – do something in an unsafe way. Right. Um, it's absolutely. Yes. And that's where
0: the coaching comes in. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that, um, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, uh, is that, so if I, if I, you know, go on vacation for two weeks, eat a bunch of food that I don't usually eat mm-hmm. and I don't work out that much. And I come back and somebody that I always go back and forth with mm-hmm. destroys me in a workout. Mm-hmm. I go home and I make better food yeah, and I reset my life and that, that, that's competition that's healthy, yeah. and that's a healthy, beautiful thing that we get this like low level accountability that just floats through the gym yeah. all the time, all on its own without us even, even having to drive it. Um, I, I think that's wonderful. Uh, that's so cool. yeah. So I, I do fall back on that where I'm mm-hmm. like, I do, yeah, there's that competitive yeah. piece there. When I was pregnant, it kind of went away. Mm hmm. I was just like, I was just, yeah, it was different. I mean, I still wanted to sweat and Mm -hmm. work out and things Mm -hmm. like that. But um, I actually, people think I'm crazy. I liked being pregnant, Mm -hmm. but I think the only reason I liked being pregnant, and I mean this, is because I had CrossFit. Yeah. If I didn't have CrossFit and I I just sat around and like didn't know what I could do or if I was like a runner and I couldn't run because I didn't feel well or something, I don't know what to do with yourself. Yes. Yeah.
1: So did So. did you decide to to like back off on the training or not sort of quote unquote train for competition before you decided to start having kids or like, no, we just sort of threw of the dice in the air and just okay. said, Let's, so you were kind of yeah. still training a lot. Yeah. And then once you became pregnant, you sort but of, but if
0: I was, yeah, but if I became pregnant, I wasn't going to be upset that I couldn't like Got it. train. Yep. And then, well, then I still don't really know how this happened, but, um, I had my daughter mm-hmm. and then we qualified a team for regionals oh. and we went to regionals when she was like eight months old. Oh my God. Yeah. But I was I just had in my head that like I wouldn't be yeah. competing, it's just fine. you know, Yeah, but it's fine. It's
1: great. Um, so so cool. we did that. <laughs> See, CrossFit women are amazing. Right? Um, and then,
0: yeah, now like I, so it's interesting. I was talking to somebody last week and I've always had a lot of guilt around like wanting to be competitive or Mm -hmm. like if I'm working out, I should be like working on the gym or, you know, if I'm working out, I I could be teaching that class, like Mm -hmm. so much of that. Mm -hmm. Um. I just, I really love working out with people. Yeah. It's just, you know, some people love going for, you know, three hour mountain bike rides and I like mountain biking, Mm -hmm. but I, I just, I decided lately, I'm just not going to feel guilty that if on a Saturday I want to go to the gym and like, wallow through all the different pieces that I want to get done and it takes me two and a half hours. I love being there. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, you know, yes, there's the one workout a day. It can be super efficient, go to class. And there are days that I'm like, I barely have an hour in my day, Mm -hmm. right, Um, to go to class. But then, if it's what you love, like there's way less healthy places you could be applying your time. It's so true. And so, yeah, now I just, uh, I still, I mean, my goal always Now that I'm a master's athlete, Julie. Yes, Um, uh, this
1: is a big deal. (laughs) I
0: I know. I told Dave Castro one time, I was like, I've never felt old, like, (laughs) through my years as I've aged until you guys announced that the master's was 35 35. and older. I was like, (laughs) then I instantly was like, I'm old.
1: Um, So (laughs) where's my life going?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I just try to, I try to be in the top 200. Okay. uh, For the, to make the age group online qualifier. And most of that. And so what's my driving reason to do that is that I love doing the workouts with Mm -hmm. the women, the master's women at my gym that qualify. And like, yes, I want to do the workouts, but honestly, it's that I just love that weekend and I want to be part of
1: it. And so that's, that's my driver. (laughs) Right. And it's so much more fun to be a part of it when you're actually a part of it than just like, Hey, I'm going to jump in on this workout with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No. And I, and I think that's like, that's the, that's the beauty of CrossFit is that you I don't know the competition side, the, the drive to push yourself. Yes. It can ebb and flow, Mm -hmm. but you get a lot of it just by going to class. Yes. And you get that refocus. So true.
1: Even if you like you go and you're like, I don't really feel like pushing myself that hard. I'm just gonna take it easy. Then the clock starts. As soon as the clock starts, as soon as the workout starts and the person next to you is like just a little bit ahead. Yeah. You're going to turn it on. I, I just, I think we, I
0: think we criticize that sometimes too much. Yeah. I just, I'm like, you know, there could be a lot. Yeah. I think the competition side is a beautiful thing.
1: So true. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. As you can probably tell from our conversation, I love spending time with Nicole and I learn so much from her every time we get together. So, here are some of my big takeaways from part A of this episode. Number one is how we talked a lot about the role of a coach and Helping to educate your athletes about what's best for their fitness in the long run, which might not be the same thing that they want right in this moment and how Nicole has struggled to create that culture, or I wouldn't say struggled, but she's really worked hard to create that culture in her own gym at CrossFit Roots um, so that she can help her athletes over the long term and help them understand the importance of the process to get to that point. The second takeaway was the role of the group environment in taking advantage of healthy competition. So Nicole and I talked about this right at the end, but we both agreed, and I'm sure many of you listening will also agree that there is something about working out in a group, working out with someone next to you that helps you to tap into that competitive side of yourself that maybe helps you push yourself a little bit more than you would when you're on your own. And certainly being in a super competitive attitude all the time is not always healthy, but using it in a healthy way can definitely help us get more out of ourselves. And it's something that I know I have really enjoyed about being in a class environment in the CrossFit affiliate. And then the last takeaway is just about virtuosity. So we talk about this in CrossFit all the time, virtuosity as Doing the common uncommonly well, and I just think that Nicole displays this in her coaching and the way she runs her affiliate, and it's something that I really strive to do in aspects of my life as well. So she's been a great role model for me in that respect. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website juliefouchet.com and subscribe to my email list. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at i I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health.